Recorded live from Stockton, California, this is Jammin' with the Best. Hey guys, welcome back. It's been a while. It has. We have a, a special guest today. Got us back on the mics. Yeah, he got us back on the mics for first time in, I don't know, a month maybe? Hey dude, we've been busy. Yeah, it's been a wild summer. Yeah. Uh, we have Craig Kitchens with Idio Sports. Welcome, Craig. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So I guess let's start with kind of your like origin story as far as disc golf goes, and then we'll get into uh, the company and all that first. But give us a little bit of info about yourself. Sure. Um, my background with disc golf starts from, well, it kind of stems from a traditional golf. Um, I kind of have a deep uh, rooting into ball golf, and my grandpa played, and he was uh, uh, on the same team as Lee Trevino, and so kind of a rich history with golf, and uh, I found this golf through injury from traditional golf. I got this bone spur that I developed in my neck. I I think it's from just repeated use and repeated practice. Sure. And it really put a damper on my golf game. And uh, it was my girlfriend who got me one of those, uh, you know, end of a starter set. It's like, uh, it's like the leopard and the birdie. Yep. And, uh, there's one more thing in there. I think a, a shark. Yep, I was going to say shark. Yeah. And uh, the first course that I played was, Kuiper Regional in Southern California okay. and threw it around a bit and I was like, this is kind of cool. I think I can I, think I can hang with this, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice translation from, from traditional golf. It's a similar mindset, yeah. similar game, just a different set of tools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, that was, that was the thing too, is like it utilizes the same mindset and yeah. approaching the course in the same way and thinking about your shot and live and everything the same way. And so it was, yeah, it was the perfect, um, leeway into, into this golf for me. And so and how, then, how long ago was that? That was 2000, uh, probably 2015. And, um, uh, and then I moved to, to Oregon at the end of 2015 and, really found it up there because it was, you know, a lot more prominent than it is in Southern California. Just yeah. The courses are phenomenal. I mean, your average course is like, <laughs> I don't mean, it's like a TPC compared to what I'd play in Southern California. <laughs> especially, and, uh, especially back then, Southern California maybe had one of the like worst ratios of people to courses. So many people down yeah. there. Yeah, not all yeah. of them golfing, but like so many people down there, and they've got some historic courses, some incredible ones. You know, Oak Grove the first, um, but yeah, it's it's a big difference between that and Oregon. Yeah, huge difference. Um, huge difference in community size of community. Um, you know, just golf events going on, everything. Yeah. What part of Oregon? I was just south of Portland. I was in uh, uh, Wilsonville. It's a great area. Yeah. yeah. Milo. I spent, yeah, I spent uh, 10 days up in Portland 
few years ago and loved it. It was so great. That's awesome. Where'd you get to play? I actually only played Milo a bunch of times because I was there for the, <laughs> the next-gen tournament, yeah. the amateur tournament, and so I just played Milo over and over and over again. Uh, you can easily do that. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> and it was the the Beaver State Fling layout. So I just, I just wanted to oh, play it over. Better. Yeah, I played yeah. both courses like, I don't know, seven times each or something ridiculous. Yeah, just eating it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm jealous. The one time I went, we I played Pier and then Buxton. I think it was is the private one over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never got to play Buxton actually, unfortunately. But I was uh, kind of in the, and they got a good. Disc golf, Bucky Woods disc golf uh, Facebook group that I keep up with, and that's a beautiful course over there too. Mm-hmm. So, where are you now? I'm in Southern California, Orange County area. Okay. So I've got about an hour south to Goat Hill, and that's the, yeah, maybe the closest thing oh. to me. La Mirada is uh, about the same distance north, wow. so I'm kind of just a dark zone. Yeah, to make golf your desert. own sport, your own course, right? That's what I was no, thinking. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm like scoping places out. You know how your mind goes. Oh, that would be oh, a yeah. great spot. That's a great spot. Everywhere, I do that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. land is at such a premium in California and Southern California, even more so. There's tons so it's of it. Tough. It's just so protected. Yeah, it makes it difficult. So we'll see. Well, speaking of protected, I've got a regional close by that I need to talk to. Yeah. Speaking of protected, you're trying to protect people's feet now. Give us, uh, give us a little insight into Idio Sports and kind of, I guess, how, how the concept came about of let's make a shoe for disc golf. It's, it's the first or at least one of the first shoes that's like solely dedicated for the purpose of disc golf. Give us some background into how all that came about. Yeah, yeah. Um that that was kind of born from Milo as well, actually. Okay. Uh, that was the first major tournament I went to was the Beaver State Fling. It was two thousand and uh, I want to say eighteen, maybe no, probably two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of being like a fairly new to the sport, I'd been playing for a couple of years, but. Uh, I, I was at that point where I was assessing my gear and, you know, buying my first, uh, you know, pro level bag. I had my grip stick bag and starting to look at different, uh, discs and, uh, play with different, um, plastics. And yeah, my mind was just thinking, all right, so what do I do for a shoe? You know, I've tried this, I've tried that. And, there just didn't seem to be any standard. And it was always something that kind of floated around in the back of my mind as I tried different things out and nothing really stuck for me. And then when I attended the BSF, there was, you know, hundreds of people. Like I was really taken by how many people actually showed up to these, these major tournaments and coming from, a golf background and seeing um, the turnout of a disc golf event and the organization of these events and everything that went along with it and just the whole ecosystem that's involved. Uh, I thought it was kind of bonkers that everybody <laughs> has different 
ideas as far as like what a stiff golf shoe should be. And of course, like different things work for different people, but nothing was actually made to help the player to improve the game to, um, uh, to, uh, you know, um, actually cater to the sport. And, Mm -hmm. and that's when, things kind of turned on for me and I started thinking about, well, what, what would that be? What would that look like? And, uh, I, at the time I was working for a, uh, uh, for an engineering firm, a local engineering firm. And so my background was in technical drawing, but I was going to school at the time for, uh, an art degree. And, uh, I had a degree in computer science, which, uh, was why I was in the technical drawing field, but that's really not what I liked. It's kind of the bane of my existence. So <laughs> it was the perfect way for me to combine my uh, technical drawing background with uh, more of a free-form artistic um, uh, style of, of uh, design. So I just started putting together concepts of and thinking about uh, what what that shoe would need to have and how it would differ from everything else that was out there and available and uh, yeah. just went through, yeah, like iteration through iteration until I fell on something that incorporated everything that I uh, kind of set out to, to um, achieve. So I can imagine you had certain bullet points that you wanted to achieve, but I guess... I'm I'm curious, fascinated by the process. Like it's a blank, you know, canvas, blank sheet of paper. Where exactly yeah. do you start? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wondered. Yeah. So do you have any I shoe background there, at all? Yeah, like yeah. There's that too. I don't. No, no, I don't. Um, I part of the reason I moved to Oregon was because the University of Oregon has a great industrial design program that specializes in footwear design. So that's true. Nike. Something that I was driving to do but i i kind of started playing with this as a hobby like well i want to do this anyways so let me just i'm just going to play with this as a hobby and if anything else it can it'll be a project later on in schooling right (laughs) yeah um so the first thing i did was uh i went to the community and um yeah, I sent out like a Google form that I created with mm-hmm. uh, just a questionnaire for people to fill out, like what what your you know pain points in your current course footwear, uh, what you value in your disc golf shoes, what do you look for in a disc golf shoe, and um, just started pushing that out. Uh, disc golf course review, I put it on that forum. I would go to local tournaments with my sketches basically mm-hmm. and uh, um, some t-shirts that I had printed with our logo on it. And I would just kind of go to these tournaments and tell my story and try to get people excited. And I would give them a t-shirt if they would on their phone right there, fill out a Google form. So nice. everybody loves free t-shirts. So yeah. I got it. I got like three or 400, uh, I think like 300 forms. Uh, filled out, which gave me a good base to start with. Um, and I picked like the five, top five or six, uh, like most common valued, uh, points 
to work off of. And I made those my priority. And uh, that started the, the, um, the direction, started me, started me moving on the thing. As someone that slips a lot, is slipping one of those points? Grip. Yeah, grip, grip yeah. overall. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a tough one to, to design for because conditions vary and tee pads vary and um, fairways vary, right? So, yeah, it's all true. Absolutely. We've got some tee pads yeah. at Oak that are some deep grit. Like if you have too much grip on your shoe, you that like one. knee's going to break. Yeah, that one you might yeah, get stuck. Yeah, it won't do much. You want to be able to release, and that's part of the the design purpose behind the what I call the power plant, which is a it's a release in the heel of the heel of the outsole. Interesting. Um, where it, yeah, where it's not, it doesn't have any lugs on it. It's more of a rotational point on the heel. So nice. Uh, yeah, that allows you to to plant and have that power while driving, but for your legs to be able to release and not and not stick and hold. Was there anything from the results of the survey that you found particularly surprising, or was it all pretty much expected? It was pretty much expected. The one thing that was surprising uh, was how many people drag their toe versus how many people don't drag their toe. What was and that it is, ratio? I it guess. is 50-50. Wow, that's crazy. It is like split right down the middle. Um, so <laughs> I figure, all right, well, that's something I'll go ahead and include because if people don't drag their toe, then whatever, they don't got to worry about it, right? But mm-hmm. the protection is there for people to do. So. Yeah, which is half the sport. <laughs> I've, I've thought yeah. about uh, just taking pitching toes, like pitching rubber toes. And selling yeah. disc golf because it's the same thing. I've, I've seen those, sure. Like I play, I'm from a baseball background, and like seventy percent of pitchers like put this extra thing on their cleat on their drag toe, just because they drag yeah. it, and it just like I don't even know why we just don't sell those. Yeah, they're yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. How does it fit on the shoe? It just goes on the front yeah. toe, yeah. and then like there's some adhesive, mm-hmm. and there's other stuff where you can actually like paint it on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like flex seal. Yeah, yeah. kind of. It's kind of like flex seal. Yeah. There's like a hey, handful well, of ways, but I got a hole in my boat and attached that up. I know. I right? mean, and that was probably ten years ago. It might have the technology might have changed since then too. Not, yeah. Not entirely sure. So, uh, do you find did you find that your traditional golf background was useful in the designing of shoes, and did you take any parts from? Traditional golf shoes, obviously, it's a very different, you know, there's there's no throwing action there. You're, you're pretty stationary right. in traditional golf, right. but is there any overlap? There's obviously so much in the sport. I'm curious if there is in the footwear at all. No, not at all. Yeah, I kind of thought there yeah. might not be. Yeah, because have... the, the traditional golf swing is so static compared yeah. to the disc golf run-up. Yeah. Um, that uh, there's just not much that translates over there. Yeah, you this. rotate up to your toe in a, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, when you swing mm-hmm. through, you rotate up to that back toe and, and balance on that. But um, all of my golf shoes have kind of felt like running shoes where they cram your toes into the front of them. Yeah. Um, 
maybe for that rotation aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, that's just not something we, we do in disc golf. So. Do your toe boxes, are they wider? Like, uh, I know Eagles using Vivo bare feet shoes, yeah. and they yeah. have a wider toe box. Are your toe boxes yep. wider like that also? Yes, they are. Awesome. That's so cool. I've been yeah. uh, intrigued by feet and feet workouts for yeah. a long time because I'm a catcher. And so like I was always wearing baseball cleats and my feet are always like really tight together. Right. And just being yeah. on your toes a lot kind of fucks your feet up. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like soccer cleats too. And yeah, exa- same, same exact thing. And so like I've been like researching, like I even bought like those toe spreader things and everything just to like, nice. Good for you. Fix it. Like try to fix it at least. Um, and, and I've been really intrigued by Vivo and I saw Eagle wearing them. And I'm like, that's pretty awesome. That's like, uh, I don't really see them as great disc golf shoes per se, but. Sure. I've seen them. I see. I think it was, he was, uh, yeah, it was the last tournament at the preserve where he couldn't get, um, any grip off of his shoes. He was, he was, uh, pinched off behind a tree and trying to stretch out. And you could see his foot that was placed behind his marker was slipping and he had to go to a knee. Um, the, the shoes design well and yeah. they're great. I, I love them. And I love the fact that we are thinking about footwear in this way and this performance, but not only performance, but like health conscious way too, yeah, that mm-hmm. we're considering shoes like Bebo Barefoot. Um, but it's as good as they are, not a disc golf shoe and yeah. uh you know small things like that like he couldn't he couldn't just stretch out and, and throw that shot um mm-hmm. makes a huge difference but we do utilize that that wider toe box for a few reasons um you know one foot health altogether, and two allowing your foot to spread out like that gives you that nice big surface to plant on and, and utilize your whole foot um it also increases the the contact patch under your foot of the outsole mm-hmm. providing better grip. So there's just so many reasons um, to use that and, and not, and a running shoe is not going to give, give that to you. Yeah. A hundred percent. What's the manufacturing process like? Do you, are you doing that all, all in house? Are you going through people? Yeah, that's been um, one of the challenges after having all these designs and concepts kind of on my own, uh, you know, iPad. <laughs> yeah. How do I get these things manufactured and how do I find that? And uh, through trial and error, I found a group called Laceless Design. And they're a, they're a, a design house and they helped me bring my sketches and my concepts to a reality, something that can actually be produced. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's been an amazing partnership with them, um, and I'll continue using them in the future for sure because they've they've also gone gone out on a limb because this was such a a passion project for them as well. And uh, you know, they've been right on board with me. I can ask them. They're they're previous employees of uh, a major footwear company um, based out of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just, yeah, Adidas. They, they used to work for Adidas. And uh, I'm still new to, like, what what you can and can't say. Sure. <laughs> like, this whole world is new to me. But um, 
I got in trouble from social media a couple times already. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know. I was doing anything wrong. <laughs> but um, they been uh, there before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they um. Yeah, they've advised me on okay, this is what kind of you know rubber we need to use, and they've uh, we've gone through different iterations on materials and the uh, construction process on how we should assemble certain things and. Uh, just total like lifesavers for for somebody might like me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's got to be a huge partnership. Yeah, and uh, as long uh, as well as you know everything they they did on the design and development side, they helped me find uh, manufacturing as well. And um, our representative mm-hmm. for manufacturing is also uh, kind of in our group chat, uh, our group chat, and. So I can message anybody at any time and um, get answers right away, which is really symbiotic and uh, like just a, an amazing, like trusting partnership that I don't think the big manufacturers have, you know, like that level of communication and kind of a small uh, operation that you get with what small operations and pop-ups. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting, man. I'm really excited for, for you and just the, the company in general and honestly for the sport. Yeah, thank you so much. Me too. And I've been taking it like one step at a time. And, yeah. And uh, three years later, over three years, we, we are, we're here now. We're funded, you know, which is incredible. It's an incredible feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how the Kickstarter do? Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask that. Yeah, so... My goal was 119,000, and that's what I needed to make to be able to manufacture the shoe orders that came in and pay back loans uh, to get me to this point, um, and you know, pay for marketing and all that. So it was kind of like my break-even point mm-hmm. was 120. Uh, that doesn't leave room for future development or. Um, future marketing or anything like that, but that would give me a starting point to prove sales and then continue to seek funding to, yeah. to grow to grow Idio afterwards. But we hit our goal in like four days. We hit 120 in like four days. The um, disc golf community is so passionate. Yeah, and yeah, we're currently at 160, which is awesome. We want to keep pushing because you know the more the more we make from the Kickstarter, the less I have to go try to find additional funding for, and the quicker that we can get to designing the next model and growing this thing and, True. and all of that. So. And how long is the Kickstarter still going to be going for, and where can people find it? It's going to continue until the 19th. Uh, so we have like 13 days from the time of this recording. And uh, yeah, you can just head to idiosports.com with my website. It'll forward you right to the Kickstarter campaign and everything is laid out for you right there. We've got FAQ and I'm, I'm really active on getting back to people through that and various platforms. So any questions anyone has, it's, it's me answering, you know, yeah. like a, I don't have a social media team or anything like that. Like I'm a guy in his office. Just <laughs> yeah, that, that customer to, service matters matters a great yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. What uh, to save? Really matters to me. So. Yeah, to save people some of their questions that they might have before visiting the site, which just 
go visit the freaking site already. Put the podcast down or just, you know, just pull it up. You're on your phone. But, yeah, uh, you're not driving. Yeah, right. I mean, even <laughs> if you are driving, maybe pull over. This is important. And uh, I've got an FAQ up on there. You can find most of your common answers on the FAQ page. There's video. I've done my best to make it easy. You just got to go there. <laughs> All you need to know is that Sean Jack played his best round of his life the first time wearing your shoes. It's thousand rated That's now. That's the word on the street. That's yeah. what he's told me more than once. All right. I have a serious, very serious question. How good would Calvin Heimberg be if he wore your shoes instead of the ones that fold over on him all the time? I'm afraid to put shoes on somebody like Heimberg. <laughs> yeah, I might just break his throat. Not for my shoe, <laughs> but I fear that Somebody like Calvin, who's so dependent on yeah. his form, he mm-hmm. might rely on the way that he rolls his ankle. You it's know what true. I mean? Like he gets so much ankle like flexion and stuff in that. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it is. I actually did that oh, yesterday. Yeah. The top of my foot That's hit the ground. Good, I was like, "Well, yeah. that wasn't good." <laughs> it's gonna catch up. <laughs> yeah, it will catch up for sure. Yep. But he's smart. Let's do it. He's, Calvin, a, he's a smart guy. Man. Yeah. I'll send you some shoes right on this Kickstarter. Hit me up. Yeah, Calvin. <laughs> you need some shoes to go along with those great glasses you wear. That's true. That's true. <laughs> those things are fire. And so you've got Sexton, I think, is is the marquee player. Uh, how did how did that relationship start? I think there might be some organ background in there. And then, yeah, for sure. uh, you know, is there anyone else either on the horizon or uh that you have or that you're open to what does the i guess sponsor sponsorship side look like for idio yeah it all comes down to funding right like to be able to build a sponsorship team i need to be able to carry stock on hand for one yeah um to be able to carry stock i got to be able to order this product outside of the kickstarter to be able to, to um carry inventory so Building a, a sponsorship team is obviously a huge goal. Like that's a huge uh, milestone for any sports company. You know, you want your players lined up. You want to uh, have people out there representing. And uh, right now, we've got we've got Nate, but he's not on any type of retainer. You know, I, I don't um, have anything set in stone with him. He's just He's just taken that leap of faith to, to um, back this project by, by offering his, his help and uh, testing the shoe and giving us feedback throughout this process. And he loves the shoe. So it's something that we uh, definitely want to work out in the future as far as, you know, taking on sponsorship and leadership roles and, and what we can do for that. Uh, I'd love to have a Sexton shoe, you know, like you've yeah. got a, mm-hmm. a Kyrie, you've got a Jordan in the skate world, you know, there used to yeah. be Jeff a Rawley's. Uh, Rowley. Yeah, man. Like yeah. to have a signature shoe named after the man would be sick, right? So awesome. but that, that's a development process also. So, you know, I've got so much plans. Uh, for for growth and building the team and development, and I've got already designs for what I want the next model to be and the non-waterproof model to be. But it's all, you know, it's a a process of of building the company and building the brand and 
being able to fund it. Like I want to do it now, but yeah, but uh, yeah, we got to take those those uh, proper steps to get there. And I know that feeling. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Kickstarter just shows, you know, that the validation is there. So just got to keep chugging away. Hundred percent. And so the the Kickstarter will end on the nineteenth, and then. What's the timeline for for these, you know, getting to deliver to customers and kind of getting like mass testing on it essentially, and then even past that, when when there might be uh, the next run that's that's available post Kickstarter. I've got the uh, shipping estimate as of now with shipping and manufacturing where it currently sits uh, for a. Delivery to customers or the Kickstarter backers doorstep by January of next year. Okay. Uh, manufacturing and shipping and ports right now is a volatile situation, so um, that could change in the in the blink of an eye. Ain't but, that the uh, truth? Yeah. Um, yeah. As we know, it's hard to get anything in yes. uh, in stock anywhere. So I'm I'm doing my best. Uh, I did a lot of the legwork beforehand to set up fulfillment center. Got two in uh, the EU and UK, so our European customers have access to friendly shipping. Nice. Um, and I've got ours set up on the East Coast. So if you're on the East Coast, which most of our players are, um, shipping will be pretty dang affordable. Um, so I've tried to you know do my diligence to to make it. Um, affordable and easy for people to, to get the product, but uh, I'll keep updating everyone as I know uh, what our lead times are as they might fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the price point of the shoe on Kickstarter right now? It's one nineteen for the shoe by itself, mm-hmm. and uh, that's at a discount off of MSRP, which is one thirty. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And I am not charging taxes to the uh, to the the backers supporting the campaign, so um, just something to try to help offset the cost of shipping and and make it worthwhile for for everyone to support. And I think it's at a great price point. Like I think it's still even at MSRP, I think it's affordable. I yeah. think it's less than a lot of um, people are paying for their shoes, and especially a specialty shoe. Mm-hmm. And Look, I get people all the time. Well, if it was cheaper, you know? yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm not making a cheap shoe. I'm making a quality shoe, and if I need access to quality materials and methods, it's going to cost money. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we know what happens to cheap footwear in this sport. It gets demolished. Disc golfers are so hard on shoes it's mm-hmm. something that people have asked us before you know like when are you guys gonna do a shoe or you guys should make a shoe or something like that like dude disc golfers are so hard on shoes so what are They're some hard. of the things that you did to try to combat that and like what sort of warranty comes with an idio shoe so when you look at the shoe as far as design wise the first thing you'll notice is the the dragon or drag on toe and nice reinforced rubber cap over the toe. It's one piece to the outsole. So there's no seam. So there's nowhere for that to split or separate from the outsole. And then on top of that, the outsole wraps up onto the midsole sidewall, like you see in a court shoe, a basketball shoe or a wrestling shoe or uh, any indoor court shoe. 
because it resists that lateral force. Okay. So by wrapping the sidewall up, you get a bigger contact area for glue and less likely to blow out your uh, sidewalls and outsoles. Um, and then we're just about to, after the Kickstarter finishes, we'll conduct our, um, our FTP test, which is a quality assurance test. Um, and we test the strength of different components on the shoe um, before everything goes out the door. So we'll run those tests on our production-ready model. And then uh, I, uh, I also understand that as of right now, everything's online. If you can't try it in the store. You know, that's a goal, obviously. We want to also be able to help uh, the retailers, um, you know, give them new options on, on income and being able to sell our shoe, but we need to get our margins down. Yep. So the fact that we're not in stores at the moment, I'm allowing people to try the shoe for 15 days at the time they receive it, like fully try it, go play with it, yep. you know, take it out for a round or two. If it's the wrong size, I'll exchange it. If it, um, if it doesn't, you know, meet your, your needs or your liking, cool. I'll take it back. Um, I want people to be happy. I don't want to stick anyone with something that, that they don't want. I understand. That's fair. And uh, I'm doing what I can to, to take care of the community in that way. That's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. I think, going above and beyond and should remove a little bit of hesitation from, from some folks, which is certainly the idea for it. But uh, that's great. I love hearing that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, like I said, like I, I care about this community. I appreciate this community. And uh, I, I owe it to, to this community to, to produce something that's can I cuss? Yeah, of <laughs> That's course. Worth shit, you know, <laughs> so. we're all about cussing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited that there's a shoe company coming into the game, and I mean I I know Latitude sort of pursued it. I don't know where their shoes were made or if they were disc golf specific at all. The T Link, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, the T Link, and then I know Discmania had a shoe that was meant for. Turf pads. Yeah, the Maniac, I the think. The Maniac, yeah. But this is the first, like, new shoe company. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. dedicated to shoes. Yeah. Um, people will say there was that, uh, what was that company out there? It was called um, Grip or something like that. Not Grip. Uh, there was a shoe company that people say they made a, a disc golf shoe, but I believe they made golfing shoes. Interesting. And they transitioned. They tried to transition their golfing shoe model to disc golf, and it didn't really work out. Oh, um, I know Keen yeah. like renamed a shoe and made it a disc golf shoe. Right. But it was already yeah, a made. Yeah. It was already a shoe that was made. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. It wasn't made for disc golf. No, they, it was just they a. They rebranded it. It mm-hmm. didn't work. Um, if you look at, I I don't know the facts, but you know it looks. If you look at some of the um, other ones that have come out, they re- they resemble other shoes that we've seen before. Um, you know, and a lot of times companies will use a stock, uh, like a stock shoe design yeah. um, that they'll purchase from a major manufacturer and then uh, rebrand it and drop ship it or whatever. But it, I don't think anybody to this point has truly designed a shoe um, to the extent that that, that I've done or that we have done. Yeah. It definitely looks different than most shoes I, I see. 
It's got a unique look to it. Very low profile. Very athletic and low profile, right? Mm -hmm. But it's super lightweight, which is okay. You look at it and you don't think uh, you 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 think it might be kind of bulky or heavy because it's got to be heavy duty. But um, one of those top five priorities of of our community was weight. Yeah, Uh, that was something that I had to definitely design around. What is the weight of the shoe? I don't. I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, um, I know that a size eleven comes in at twelve or thirteen ounces. I just that's weighed light. it together. For together, pair, we, yeah. Like, yeah uh, no, a single, a shoe. single. No, first okay. shoe. First shoe. Yeah. Yep. So I remember as baseball, all baseball cleats are heavy. They have metal on the bottom. They're just automatically right. heavy. Um, I remember Adidas one time made like a, one of the afterburners or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was a sub 10 ounce shoe with cleats on it. Nice. Like, that that's is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. That's real hard to do. But it was. I wonder what they sacrificed there. Is it like durability? I think the top like part was just super flimsy and lightweight. It's made for base dealers, I said. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got grip, weight, and durability. What were some of the other aspects that came out of the survey as far as your your key points that you needed to hit in the design process uh, let's see Dur- uh, grip weight durability um uh waterproofing yeah mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> big up in oregon yeah. uh, the majority of people that um took the third way uh took the third i did need the waterproofing so that was Something that was built into this first model as well. The ultimate test um, of your shoes is how well they perform in the jungles at Milo. Mm-hmm. Just the like the jungle holes where the tee pads are real wet. They don't ever see the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's all dripping. Yeah, it's all dripping. <laughs> like the tee pad has like mold, like not, uh, like not mold. What is it? Uh, moss, moss on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh huh. That green moss. <laughs> yeah, that's Safari Golf for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, some, uh, we had Nate wear it in some coverage of um, uh, what was the last one that was in Oregon? Uh, the Portland? Series. Yeah, it was the one that took place. Uh, oh, uh, Resistance. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah I was thinking Portland. You wore him one day at Resistance. It was pouring. Oh, rain. I remember that. And he was talking, he made a post about it, I think, too. Yeah. Well, I made a post and I got in trouble for it. Not by Nate, but. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take it down. Oh. <laughs> you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> Oops. But uh, but that was good validation. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. If you can, if your shoe handles Portland rain, then you can shoot. Your shoe can handle a lot of things. Yeah, big time. So, what are you most excited about? Maybe for the next like for the rest of this year, and then next year, and even like next five years. What gets you really excited, keeps you up at night? Um, development. Like, I, I really want to get going on this next shoe, and that's going to be a non-waterproof model. Um, you know, not everybody needs a waterproof model, and it doesn't benefit everybody to use that all year round. Yeah. And I don't want to just have one thing um, to choose from, you know, I want some options yeah. and I think 
just from a design standpoint, I'm excited about it. Uh, we, we've got some materials that we're looking forward to using. And also from a business standpoint, it's going to help generate that early revenue that I need to really continue the, the growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that being our sponsorship. Uh, so just having another model in the lineup for people to choose from will capture a, a greater market. Um, and I think it'll provide a lot of opportunity uh, for that sponsorship team. It'll also give us another model to offer to our players. Like, I would hate to sponsor somebody and be like, this is the only shoe you can wear. It's waterproof, yeah. so good luck when it's hot, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, development of that next one. And then, uh, yeah, going from there with, with, uh, with the model and uh, the growing of the business. As far as like uh, business goals outside of that, it'd probably be warehouse uh, uh, or wholesale. Yeah, getting to the point of wholesale would be a huge milestone. We're in on that. Whenever that's available, mm-hmm. we're we're definitely down. It's always an interesting one, and it's something I'm sure you've got to deal with too. Like for us, we never really stocked a lot of shoes. Um, one, it's a very different size box for us, which is a very easy hurdle to get over. You know, but uh, is having all the sizes in stock Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what sizes are most popular, Um, you know, and I think there's easy enough data on that, but, but carrying enough sizes, you know, for, for a retailer, especially early on when like the T-Link was out, we didn't have near the capital to, to be able to afford it. Or in all honesty, the room. Sure. The space too. Um, Even here, like. Keeps coming back here. Yeah, storage seems somewhat difficult for some retailers. I would feel. Yeah, it is a little bit tougher than than discs. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, the same shelf life. Yeah. They're not going to expire, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Is is, is stocking all those shoe sizes? So I'm sure you got your finger on the pulse of of the popular sizes and what needs to be you know, stocked or at the very least, you're gathering great data right now with the yeah. Kickstarter and everybody's inputting yeah. the size that they, that they think they need. Yep. Yeah. The Kickstarter will tell us a ton about what to expect coming down the road. I feel um, like 11, 11 and a half are the most. Somewhere in there. I think anywhere between like probably nine and a half and like 12 and a half is probably your zone for men. Yeah. Yep, probably. But then you've got people like Ricky, who's 13, and then mm-hmm. it looks like I'm making, at this point, it looks like I'm making 15 up to 15. Wow, I can't, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you for sure because I, I, I'm not able to collect the information on our backers sizing until after the campaign. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. I don't have a database of sizing yet, mm-hmm. but I've had so many people who need a disc off shoe, but they have a big foot and they're super limited on sizing. And one, I'm happy to help them. Heck yeah. Um, and two, if I can do it, I'll do it. And I only need like to fund the production of a size mold. It's $2,000 per size. So just to be transparent with people. So I need a certain amount of supporters in any given size to be able to pay for that mold. Yeah, and I I think I've got quite a few in fourteen and fifteen, which is awesome. So, are you doing half sizes? Yeah, 
Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. You doing women's sizes? We're doing this first shoe, the Syncrasy, as a unisex mold. So okay. uh, we're going to do women's sizing in this shoe. Okay. Um, but again, it's like it's up to the community to place their orders because that's the only way that um, you know I can fund the production of those those really small or really large sizes. Sure. So, so we need those awkward size people to put their pledges in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right on. Is there anything else that you think the the people should know that we haven't touched on yet? Um, no, no, I, um, I'm always just happy to come on and talk about the journey really. Um, you know, one of the big things that a lot of people don't understand, uh, I mean, most do, but there's still a lot that don't understand just how much went into this. Um, you know, from the beginning, just gathering data from you guys, from the community as to what you want, you know, I made a shoe for you guys. And it's been a, it's been over three years of, of working on it. And between my, my designers and my boots on the ground at the factory, we've got 30 plus years of footwear experience. So it's not like we just popped up and put some Legos together and wrapped it in cloth. Like this has got a ton of uh, research and R&D behind it and multiple test samples. Uh, and, uh, it's just, a it's a passion, passion project for one, uh, and it's super grassroots that the community has been involved with from the very beginning. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm ecstatic to be at this point now where we're funded and this is actually going to be a thing that that's so validating, uh, from the community. And that's why I wanted to launch this through Kickstarter. One, because I'm, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have money for <laughs> just to fund a bunch of shoes. But two, because it's the perfect way to validate a product yeah. and, and to know if uh, it's something that, hey, this, you guys want this. And uh, this golf has definitely shown that they want it. And, uh, and uh, I, put, I put a lot of heart into it, and I hope it, uh, I hope it uh, pleases everybody. Yeah, Kickstarter is such a pure form of proof of concept. I love that it's out there for both the consumer and and for, you know, the the founder, the manufacturer like yourself to just be like, yeah, this idea actually yeah, other people think it's a good idea too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's not easy to build a footwear company to make yeah. a shoe. Like it, it's a huge undertaking. Um, and if it wasn't for something like Kickstarter or crowdfunding, I don't know that I'd be able to do it. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's a rich man's game, you know, like Nike can turn around and get a shoe produced in a, in a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's taking yeah. me three years. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not easy if it wasn't for Kickstarter and, and the crowd and the community, I just we wouldn't be here for sure. There we go. A shoe by disc golf for disc golf. Craig, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And for everybody listening, go check out idiosports.com. Support that Kickstarter. I would say take a chance on it, but you're not even really taking a chance because if you don't like him, send him right back to Craig (laughs) over there in Southern California. And, you know, he can can stack some shoes, but I have a feling that's not quite going to be what happens. I think it's going to be a big success 
I hope that it is for your sake. I'm excited for you, and uh, thank you, honestly, for for doing what you're doing for for the sport. And absolutely, thank you for thanking me. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, man. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, yeah, just keep us posted. We're in for sure once you start wholesaling it. We got the room. All right, guys, that sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Later.